podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end, recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Hey, fantasy footballers, welcome to yet another edition of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and I am joined by my co host, Denny Carter. Denny, how's it going, man? Not bad. It's been a, a pretty long hiatus here since we last did this, and the uh, I know it's the dog days, uh, and I think your uh, your your new beard reflects that. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think we should grow beards in solidarity and uh, change our, uh, our 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 Twitter profile pictures eventually. We should. What we should do, you know, like playoff beards and hockey and stuff. We should do a. We should do like a streaming beard where once we. Once we get something wrong, then we shave. Right, right. We're like, sorry, Rob Hausler scored you one point. I'm not going <laughs> to shave until he scores 10 points. Yeah, exactly. I like the idea. It's good. I don't want to commit to that because, you know, I mean, I'm confident in the strategy and all. Don't get me wrong. but Right, but but beards are more important than fantasy football. Right. Although my wife's a big fan of the beard. I mean, she she wants me to have like a beard, like a Ray LaMontagne beard, if you know what that. Wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah wow. Yeah, like, like something where I could like put – Put our six-month-old Xavier, uh, you know, yeah, wrap him up in the beard and just carry him around. I think that's that's the ideal for her. I think I th- that's pretty safe too. <laughs> it's, it's recommended, actually. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, that, that's what I hear. That's that's I've I've seen that happen a few times on the streets. It's safer than car seats. I don't know if you've read that, but oh, okay. So you just wrap. You see, while you're driving, you just wrap them in your beard rather than putting them in car seats. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I can't think of a safer way, but you know, I mean. If you can think of one, please tell me. Yeah. Well, wait, let's. Okay, we're done talking about this. All right. This. Yeah, let's go. So, uh, you know, first off, today I had I had like a nostalgic morning. I was just kind of kind of thinking. I'm, so, the, my Pirates. We're talking baseball first. My Pirates are doing very well in in the sport of baseball, and I like started tweeting about them, and then I started tweeting about video games, and people were. I got. I said that Perfect Dark was better than Goldeneye, and. I got destroyed on Twitter this morning. That wasn't that wasn't very fun. I have to say, you know, I don't know if this is like a generational thing. I don't know what Perfect Dark is. Oh man, it's like okay. So basically, they had GoldenEye. You have this platform of GoldenEye, and then you take the same exact game, change the characters up a little bit, but then just attach heaven to it, <laughs> and and that's perfect. It's like like. If you say that Goldeneye is better than Perfect Dark, that's like saying that you would rather take Adrian Peterson's brother, who is the exact same person as Adrian Peterson, but doesn't have any legs. <laughs> that's the equivalent. I think the the hipster, the fantasy hipster, would take that that guy. Yeah, is he in any no legs leagues? <laughs> I think he is. Um, well, okay. I I will say just quickly on that video game note. I have um, spent untold hours of my life playing Goldeneye and. Um, uh, Mario Kart I would say that 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 playing those uh, increased my heart rate to the point of actual exercise. Yeah, uh, oh, for sure. I think that actually like replaced exercise from the ages of twelve to like sixteen. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. I, who was who was your who was your go to Mario Kart character? Uh, Toad, of course. Okay, good, good. All right, so we're good there. Yeah. Now Melissa was always Luigi. I I, I never understood that. 
No, that doesn't make. I mean, you're. I mean, you can tell. You can tell if someone's legit with Mario Kart if there's if they an, an instantly choose either Toad or Yoshi. Right. Look at look at Luigi. And we, we can stop after this. But Luigi is is tall and unwieldy. That's all I'll say about his uh, performance. Right. He's like it's like watching Ben Roethlisberger in the pocket. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That's Luigi. It's just, That's Luigi in a go kart. It's just awkward. I wonder if he has his child in his mustache. <laughs> possibly oh man well tonight we're not going to talk about video games we're going to talk about tight end streaming uh and tight ends in general we got we we actually we have some questions from people on twitter and whatnot about uh some of the late round tight ends that we're targeting personally but you know the last time we talked we we spoke about quarterback streaming which is you know something that we both love uh but this time we're going to kind of switch gears and talk about the other onesie position in most fantasy lineups and that is the tight end position Mm. so Real quick, Denny, do you want to just explain to the folks listening, if this is their first time even hearing the word streaming, what that means, and then we'll dig into kind of what that means in 2013? Sure. Well, um, a streaming is most common uh, with with defenses. Um, in a you know in a 12 team league, you're going to have uh, a whole lot more than 12 playable, viable, usable defenses in a given week, and a lot of them can be found on the waiver wire. A lot of them are are unowned in, in most leagues. Uh, and I mean, I'm talking sometimes you find them in, in the 5% range of, of ownership. So defenses are easy to spot. Um, uh, we talked about quarterbacks uh, finding exploitable matchups, but tight ends, uh, ha- you know, it's become easier to find streamable tight ends uh, over the past couple years um, because tight ends are becoming a, a more prominent part of, um, of pass attacks. Uh, and um, you know, with pe- with the athleticism spike in the in the position itself, uh, you have a lot of guys who are basically wide receivers playing the slot, who you can plug in a tight end um, in in your league. So the just like with quarterbacks, uh, if you're going to stream the position, you never want to take someone early or in the mid rounds. Makes no sense to pay that kind of price. Uh, so you're going to draft a tight end. You're going to draft a tight end or two, probably two late, very late, and then uh, just play the the best matchup. Um, uh, th- this this works on a number of levels. But if I could just throw two stats out there, um, some of the off season work I, I've done uh, looked at, you know how uh, how viable the strategy is. And last year there were 47 tight ends um, who posted weekly top 12 fantasy numbers. Uh, now, a lot of those were you would not be able to uh, identify them before the week. You know, a, a lot of fluky, um, you know, one catch, 30 yard touchdown performances that snuck into that, that 47. So, um, you know, th- those aren't, don't, won't really count. But that's an astounding number to me. Um, I, I had a lot of success in a couple leagues in which I streamed um, uh, tight ends. And another, uh, you know, kind of a good piece of news for people who commit to the strategy is that uh, there are um, there were ten defenses last year that allowed uh, seven or more uh, fantasy points to tight ends every week. Uh, and I know seven is not this crazy number that you know will uh, will be a huge difference maker for for you week in and week out. But it just shows that there were ten defenses um, that were. Uh, very tight end friendly, you know that that you could plug in a tight end when they played those ten defenses uh, and uh, and and count on uh, a decent performance. Uh, 
Um, so that's uh, that's streaming uh, tight ends in a nutshell, and there are a lot of really good late late round options this year. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the uh, the idea that uh, these defenses, they're they're you know, there's a group of them that give up seven or more points last year, you know, per 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 game. I I think the one thing um, that we have to be cognizant about with tight ends is their ceilings, and. I know that value-based drafting and value in general tells us to not compare position to position in terms of total points scored, uh, because generally that value is going to be uh, dictated in a way by uh, how that player compares to the rest of his position, so ceiling, point ceilings will kind of inherently uh, be part of that e- equation. But I think what we have to realize with tight ends is, sure, there's, there's more and more tight ends being used more and more often uh, in NFL offenses. But at the same time, um, their, their ceilings aren't nearly as high as the other positions. So therefore, there's less, there's less probable variance uh, at the tight end position. So, you know, Jimmy Graham, you know, he's a darling, and we'll get into him in just a second. But, you know, Jimmy Graham, if you look at his numbers uh, from 2011, he was, he was unbelievable. But he was only unbelievable because of his consistency. It wasn't because he was putting up monster games. I think he only had one game of 20 or more points. The majority of his games were double-digit games, uh, but they were they were somewhere in between the 11 to 16 range. So it, it when you when you compare that to some of the crazy monster games that a guy like Calvin Johnson will have, or a, someone like Aaron Rodgers or Adrian Peterson, that's when you start to say, hey, maybe it's not necessarily that ridiculous to think about tight end streaming because all I need is a guy that can maybe get in the end zone once and get 30 yards uh, in order to get a comparable score to one of the best tight ends in the league. Right. Yeah, and and there's there's plenty of that out there, um, and we'll talk about it in a minute. But a, a, a lot of tight ends um, who are being drafted very late are going to have a lot of opportunity this year, and that's um, without that, you know, we I would not recommend streaming. But with that, I think it's something that everybody should at least consider. Yeah, well, one the one guy that's that's going first, and I mentioned him just a second ago, is Jimmy Graham. Uh, He's been pretty polarizing in the community the last few weeks, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, we had a, you know, we had a Roto World draft where Silva ended up taking him in the first round. I mean, it's a magazine draft, so you're going to go a little bit crazy with those. But um, you know, Silva took him in the first round. I know a lot of guys are adv- advocating even a, an early second round uh, pick for him. But his ADP is around the 2.08 range, so um, you know, it's not it's not necessary that that or no, it's not necessarily true that people are taking him that early. But he's been very polarizing because to someone like me who looks at strategy more strategy than player projections, um, you know, I I completely disagree with getting Jimmy Graham in the early rounds of your draft. Um, and and that's basically because of opportunity cost. I wrote a giant article on LateRoundQB.com about this. Um, but I think that, you know, it, it was just that. It was a giant article. So it might be kind of difficult to to grasp right away whenever you first read it. But basically, we all know what opportunity costs. It's it's getting something and foregoing something else, and whatever you f- forewent <laughs> is your opportunity cost. So when you get Jimmy Graham in the second round, you know one one of my big uh, kind of mantras with fantasy football is it's not the guys who you get, but it's the guys who you don't get that's important. So it's you you can't step away from your draft and say, hey, I got Jimmy Graham. You have to sit, step step back out of the second round and say. Okay, I got Jimmy Graham at the sec- in the second round, but at what cost? And in the case of, of 2013, the cost is typically 
you know, a pretty good running back, maybe a Chris Johnson, or it could be, you know, one of the stud receivers, which are important because of their consistency, like a, like a Brandon Marshall, if he, if he ends up slipping. And I know there are, there are times where, you know, there aren't very good alternatives, but I think at the same time, when you, you're not always, you, you can't always assume that your projections in the beginning of the season are how the season's going to end up. So that's kind of what I, what I've, uh, advocated over you know the last couple years with this stuff is is the idea that it's not just um, thinking that you're losing that RB two. Uh, it, it, it's more so playing the probability game and loading up on those on those running backs to ensure that you do get an RB two on your squad. Mm-hmm. So with the Jimmy Graham thing, uh, it, it's definitely more based on opportunity cost rather pure production. I understand that his value based drafting uh, value says, oh my gosh, he could outscore, you know, the 12th best tight end uh, in the NFL by, by 100 or more points. Right. And, and yeah, that's true. But I also think that his current ADP reflects his ceiling. And to me, that's not something that you want to draft in, in fantasy football. Exactly. You're, you're, you're getting um, probably no equity, no draft equity if you're taking Graham uh, at the turn, at the, at the first, second round turn, uh, like, like we've seen a lot over the past 10 days or two weeks. Um, you know, basically, he, he's going to have to perform uh, to that extreme high level that you expect him to to justify that sort of AD, ADP. So there's no built-in uh, equity there, uh, and and it, a guy that you know reminds me of that equity problem was uh, Ryan Matthews uh, last year. Um, yeah. Even after the collarbone break, people were taking him at the beginning of the second round, in the middle of the second round, and so he was going to miss four games, right? Uh, so twelve games, uh, you get your your your, you know, uh, using a second round pick um, to get a guy who's going to play twelve games, and and he absolutely bombs. Well, he would have had to, he would have had to reach the highest level of of anyone's projection. To, to even justify that ADP. So when you're looking, you know, when you're looking for deals, when you're playing the when you're when you're drafting like a like a stockbroker, that's exactly the kind of thing you don't want to do. Right. And you know, the other thing uh with Jimmy Graham and I I don't want to sound morbid in a way, but what if he does get hurt? Like what if something ha- he was he was nagged nagged by injury last year. What if that happens again this year and you just wasted a second round pick on Jimmy Graham? And now your RB2 is a third-round running back who might flop because you start to get a little bit shaky there. Like, maybe, what you know, what if David Wilson doesn't pan out? Sorry. Uh, but, you know, what if, or, or what if you get to the fourth round and your wide receiver one doesn't work out? You're, you're, what you're doing when you're drafting Jimmy Graham is you're shifting all of your starters down around and you're not gathering all of that uh, depth in order to to um, slip into your lineup once once an inevitable injury happens, and I know that's that's a, a pretty risk averse way of thinking about it, but it's just the way that fantasy football works in my mind. And and not only that, if an injury doesn't happen, you now have depth to trade to other teams when an injury happens to their team. It's not like everyone's going to be healthy this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean if if uh, if you're drafting Graham with like the twelfth pick in the first round. And he, you know, he, he gets hurt early or, or, you know, doesn't perform up to that incredibly high ADP, then, uh, I mean, you're stuck. You're just stuck. Yeah. And the, the last thing that I wanted to talk about with Graham, which I think is one of the more um, uh, crazier thoughts that I've had with the whole discussion, is 
this idea that Jimmy Graham, if he were to be a wide receiver, he might actually have more value than if he is a tight end. And that seems so backwards because, you know, you sit there and you think, there's no way because wide, wide receivers are scoring more points and Jimmy Graham, if, he's, if we're comparing him now to other wide receivers at the position, then why the heck would we think that he would be more valuable? Well, I've said this many, many, many times before. Wide receiver, and tight end too, but wide receiver is very, very unpredictable from week to week. Mm -hmm. The reason that you get a guy like Megatron or Brandon Marshall, AJ Green, and potentially Des Bryant this season in the the second round is because you can can plug and play them and you can feel good about it. You know that they're not going to put up, you know, a 20-yard performance more than likely, and if they do, it's only going to happen once or twice during the season. The reason that I feel like Jimmy Graham could be more valuable as a wide receiver is because he gives you that consistency if we're assuming that he puts up 2011 numbers again. Because like I said, he had he, he had crazy consistency throughout that season. And and so but but the, the big thing here is at tight end, the, the position itself is inherently uh, less valuable because you can get those starting tight ends so late in your draft, rounds eleven, rounds twelve, rounds thirteen. Mm-hmm. And but when you look at wide receiver uh, typically and historically, the 24th wide receiver. So if you're only starting two, let's say in a in a uh, 12 team league, they're they're leaving the draft board at the end of round five, early round six. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of you're you're now stretching the amount of points uh, at tight end, your opportunity cost in a way. If you're thinking more linearly, you're stretching those points across 10, 11, 12 rounds, where maybe you know 10 if you're subtracting the first round where you're not drafting Jimmy Graham. And at wide receiver, it's kind of it's 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 all there. You, the, the guys that you're getting at wide receiver in round 11 and 12 are not the same caliber starters at wide receiver as they are at tight end. I think that's the most that's the easiest way to think of it. And the fact that you can get them so late, it shows you that the, the tight end position is not as valuable because you're only starting one in your team. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Dennis Pitta is the poster child for, um, you know, for the viability of, of late round tight ends, very late round. And uh, and uh, streaming, I mean, Pitta was not, his ADP last year was not drafted, okay? And uh, he ended up as the seventh highest scoring uh, tight end in fantasy. Now he had some duds. He had three or four um, donuts uh, during the season. Um, but I don't think that he was ever supposed to be a plug-and-play, you know, no-brainer option. So anyway, long story short, um, there there is a lot there's very little that separates tight ends you're taking in the fourth, fifth, and sixth round from guys you're taking in the 11th, 12th, 13th round. Yeah, and, and the last point on Graham, and I, I will say this, if you genuinely believe that Jimmy Graham is going to completely dominate the NFL football field the way that he did in 2011, then sure, get him get him maybe in the late second round. Uh, but... But to me, I, I think I think that you're you're running into a potential risk because of a potential injury, uh, because he might not produce the way that he did then. I mean, mind you, that was the second best tight end season ever, and it was behind Rob Gronkowski's season that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you're 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 really playing against history here, and I don't know if that's worthwhile in the early rounds of your draft when you're trying to actually mitigate risk. Yep. No. Um. I think we're in agreement. I, I think I. I I would say that I would, in a, in PPR, I would have a really hard time not taking Graham at the 
second, third round turn if he's there, but he won't be. So there's no right. point in talking about it. Yeah, and I know people are going to ask after they listen to this podcast, like where we would be, um, where we would take Graham. And I, I think my answer, my answer is always going to be, you know, I got to see what kind of pl- caliber players are available. Number one, number two, I, I think that his his true value is probably in the third round. That's that's where I see it. Uh, it's the same. It's the same view that I had on quarterbacks last year. You know, it wasn't as if I thought Aaron Rodgers was a seventh round pick last year. I still had him as a late second round pick. Mm-hmm. But but everyone had Aaron Rodgers as a top five selection, right? And and it's just the way that that I view fantasy football and the way that I strategize with fantasy football right. with the onesie positions particularly. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the other guy that's that's caused a lot of lot of uh, controversy is Rob Gronkowski. Uh, you know he's he's had thirty seven back surgeries this off season. Yeah, thirty eight. Um, thirty eight now. Oh, thirty. Okay, yeah, I got gotcha. one this morning. Okay, um, so he's had thirty eight back surgeries this off season, and uh, I don't even know. Where, do you know where his ADP is at now? Fourth round oh, somewhere. Uh, I can look. I last I saw it was the beginning of the fourth, um, but. Uh, I actually took him in a best ball in, a, in uh, the fake football, held a uh, best ball draft with Draftmaster, and um, I took him in the middle of the fourth round, and I, I was pretty happy. I mean, you know, best ball format is different, but... Um, right, right. You go for the upside. But there's never, yeah, there's never going to be uh, more uncertainty surrounding him than there is at this moment, so um, I, I couldn't begrudge anyone... Um, Taking advantage, he's going a uh, uh, ninth pick of the fourth round. So, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, the way you know, it, it depends on how you how you view his injury and how much of a risk you want to take. But to me, I see other pretty solid wide receivers around there, like a Jordy Nelson, who has sure he has injury problems himself, but we've seen what Jordy Nelson's capable of doing at a more at a, at a uh, more scarce position. So, uh, I, I think. I think for me, Rob Gronkowski's ADP is probably—I mean, it's probably pretty accurate right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to take my chances in, in, a, in a standard league where I can move pieces around. I'm still going to, you know, take those tight ends late in drafts. Yeah, and I, I would say on Gronkowski, I mean, there's a long way to go. But even if they—if the Patriots say, and if any team's not going to say anything, it's them. But if they do have to admit that Gronkowski's going to miss the first two or three weeks of the season. Um, I'm doing. I'm. I'm taking him where pretty much wherever he his ADP falls, um, because uh, he can still produce top. He showed last year he could still produce top three or top two tight end numbers uh, with only uh, twelve or thirteen games under his belt. So if he drops into like the sixth round, say if he misses a couple games, then I think that's still a big value. Yeah, I think that's a common misconception in fantasy football in general. Like. I, I always use LaShawn McCoy of last year as, as my example. You know, he missed four games, but in 11 of his 12 games, he finished as a top 24 running back. And and people look at his final uh, final rank, and it was, I think, like 21 or something, and they say, oh my gosh, LaShawn McCoy was such a bust. But it's not it's not like when he was hurt, you were playing him. Right. You were... You were slotting someone else in the lineup, which is another reason that you just load up on running backs at the beginning of your draft. Right. By the way, and if you did, but if you did the right thing and slotted in Bryce Brown, you 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 uh, racked up an unbelievable amount of points between right. Brown and McCoy. Exactly, and 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 that's just I think that's a common that's my problem in general with using 
you know, with, with people concluding pretty, pretty, uh, rough conclusions about something fantasy football related and when they use cumulative year long data like that, it's just, it, you, you can't do that all the time when you're, when you're looking back, obviously when you're projecting, I think that you kind of have to, because it's very hard to project on a game by game basis. But when you're looking at, at historical and doing a historical analysis, I don't, I don't know why, you know, looking at cumulative data only is, is the way to go. I, I would ne- I'd never have understood that. Yeah, yeah, it it is really important to to understand that if if Gronkowski misses three games, say, and you get a guy a late rounder, you know, like a like a, a Cameron or a, I'm I'm sorry, God, I always say that. Wait, yes, yes, Jordan Cameron. No, you're right yes. that time. Yeah. All right, I've been I've been self conscious about it since I messed it up on Twitter the other day. I got called out by like nice. five people. Nice. Uh, or or a Hauser or or even like a Finley, as much as everyone hates him. Um, right. You know that that th- th- those guys can serve as great fill-ins until he's ready to go. Yeah. Um. So I, the the next thing I got on the list here is, you know, we have this middle tier. I guess we should. You know, I, I'm basically considering it a middle tier outside of Graham and Gronk, and then you have, I guess Graham would be in his own tier, but higher level here. You got this next tier, middle round guys, and then you got the streamers basically. So these middle round guys, you have. Um, you know, Jason Witten, Tony Gonzalez, Dennis Pitta, Vernon Davis, maybe Greg Olson we could throw in there. Are there any of those guys that uh, – are you targeting any of them? Uh, do you do you necessarily uh, – do you think that they, they have good value? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't write off um, any of those middle-tier guys um, if, if they fall to, to a level where I feel like I could get some equity from them. Um, right now, Vernon Davis is going um, first pick of the sixth round, and that's Ooh. gonna that's gonna rise. You know, um, that's gonna get probably into the middle of the fifth. Eventually, um, Dennis Pitt is going in the middle of the seventh round. Uh, I, 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 if I would liken it to the way uh, to to you know the other onesie position quarterback, um, it would be like like saying I'm not gonna go all in on tight end. Instead, I'm just sort of gonna kind of dip my toe in the in the early round tight end water and get Vernon Davis uh, in the fifth round. Uh, if he drops to the sixth or seventh, I'm I'm all over him. But mm-hmm. um, at his current ADP, I'm I'm gonna just continue to wait. Um, same with Pitta. Probably same with with Gonzalez. Rudolph is going at the beginning of the eighth round. Um, I, I I'm I'm gonna wait and wait and wait. I'm getting into I'm I'm targeting guys tenth round and and, and below um, because I don't think that there will be a ton of difference uh, between streaming those guys and playing uh, those middle tier guys week in and week out. Yeah, I think that you by selecting some of those middle guys, with maybe the exception of Jason Witten, I'll say, I think selecting. Those middle round guys uh, will put you in a hole because you're not going to bench them. That the the whole issue with it is you're 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 going to go on this roller coaster ride with them all season long, mm-hmm. and they're not going to be as consistent as a Rob Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham. Mm-hmm. So you're going to plug and play them, mm-hmm. and you're not going to worry about matchup. And because of that, you're going to hit some hit some tough times. Right. You're gonna you're you're gonna hate Tony Gonzalez for a couple weeks at a time, and that's not fun. You you, uh, you can't bench them. You you've already paid a premium. You know, exactly. you pay the premium for the services, and now and now you're now they're they're an every week starter. Now, I mean, if if you're if you're a person who who feels 
comfortable, much more comfortable in the plug and play uh, sort of mindset that where you just have your lineup and you play your same guys every week and you root for your same guys and that's fine with you. Uh, that's fine, and I'm I'm really not mocking. I'm not mocking that at all. That's probably a much you know mentally healthier way to go about <laughs> that's it. Right. Uh, but but I mean, if you if you're really committed to optimizing your, your lineup week in and week out, then um, I I just don't I just can't get on board with that. Yeah, you know, you right before this pod started recording, you were having a little conversation with Sigmund Bloom on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and I think that it's even though you guys were talking about quarterbacks, I think it's still pretty relevant for tight ends mm-hmm. where, because I mean, we have to liken the quarterback position to, to the tight end position. We have to like that's just we have to compare the two because you're starting one. They're onesie positions. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest to compare because they're the way that they get drafted and the way that they get selected by people is virtually the same and. And you can see that throughout a draft. You you see, uh, you know, the top quarterback. Go, I mean, I would I would say that it leans you you would draft a quarterback earlier than tight ends. You being the masses, hmm. but I think what what you and Sigmund were talking about is very is very relevant. It's this idea that just because we're saying yeah you can stream doesn't mean that you should stream or have to stream. Hmm. I mean, you know, like Andrew Luck and Tony Romo, if they if they give you good value, you draft them. I don't think it makes sense to draft a quarterback like Peyton Manning in round five at all, because I think that running backs and receivers are too valuable right there. Uh, but but if you're if you're down into rounds eight, nine, and ten, I mean, I've even written in my book the last two years that the eighth round is the beginning of the sweet spot for the late-round quarterback. And and I think that this year, even though, um, you know, we're, we're seeing, and I know that I'm talking about quarterbacks again, but but even though uh, this year we see more viable options in streaming, whether it's because of research that people have done or whether it's because the position is deeper, I think that it, you know if the right guy falls to you, you get that guy, right? And you don't and you don't look back. Yeah. If it's Greg Olson, it's Greg Olson. Yeah. If it's it, but but I think at the same time to what you've talked about often, Denny is is the idea that if you do get one of those guys don't waste a bench spot on on another one. Oh yes please no no i mean i it it pains me i mean it hurts when i see someone burn a, like a you know an early round pick on like a stafford and then they and then they'll get like i don't know like andy dalton 3 rounds later right what, what are you what are you going to you going to play dalton no, you're not falling yeah, over over Stafford. Right, it, it's it's a waste. I, I mean, it might you know you know what it is. I think it 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 might play into the the mindset of like the real fan the real footballer, not the fantasy footballer. Like like right. you know I, like my favorite team has three quarterbacks, you know, a backup and a third stringer and a starter. So so I need I need a backup, you know, because I'm I'm a I'm the general manager of my team, but. Right. But you're not. I mean, you're. It's a. It's a fantasy. It's it just. It drives me nuts. Don't draft backups if you're burning a, a an earlier mid round pick on on a onesie position, please. Yeah. Even even tight ends. Uh, it's to the point where there are some drafts where I'm I'm only drafting one tight end, and that tight end is a late round tight end because I know that a there are going to be a lot available off the waiver wire, and b I know that people are going to drop their tight end first off their team, right? And that. The same goes for quarterbacks. They're just they're less valuable positions in general, mm. and and that's part of the reason you wait to draft them. But you know, once the season starts, you're going to want wide receivers and running backs over them more than likely, and that's just the way that it works. Yeah, we see that every year when when the first bye week comes, you see this mass exodus of backup quarterbacks yeah. and backup tight ends. They just flood the waiver wire. You know, <laughs> yeah. suddenly you just see like on Wednesday morning, you have like 
like seven tight ends that weren't there the, the previous days. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you look out your bedroom window and you just see these tight ends and quarterbacks standing there ready to join your team. Right, you're like, Jared Cook, what are you doing outside my window? <laughs> what are you doing outside, Jared? <laughs> Get inside. It's cold. It's, it's, it's October. It's cold. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. So, anyway. Um, you want to talk about some of the late round targets here? Yeah, the yeah, let's... Let's do that. Yeah. Um, I don't have Jared Cook on my list actually. I think that I think you know, I think his ADP is in the ninth roundish. Yeah. If if I'm gonna go Cook, I'm probably gonna go Olson instead. Right. Uh, no, absolutely. I I totally agree. Greg Olson's going middle of the sixth. Uh, Jared Cook's going uh, more than a full round before that. That that to me is a little crazy. Uh, uh, I I actually did. I wanted to talk a little bit about Cook and a little bit about um, Jordan Cameron. Um, yeah. Uh, because I've I broke down their uh, per route production and in, in, in the in the past few years and but also uh, uh, projected their per route um, production on on Sports Jerks, um, which I've tweeted out a few times over the past couple of weeks. If you if you want to check it out, but um, uh, Jared Cook uh, has had a really low. Um, uh, it's called uh, fantasy points per route run. It's based on Pro Football Focuses route running data from 2008 to 2012 um and uh his has been uh exceptionally low um uh he he had a his career average is 0.22 um and that's with very little uh usage uh so that that's 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 pretty low and um uh, Schottenheimer uh the coordinator Brian Schottenheimer the coordinator offensive coordinator for the Rams um uh, has had some success with Dustin Keller, um, mm-hmm. but only had two seasons with Keller uh, in which he ran um, a considerable number of routes. Uh, so I, it's hard to say what Jared Cook's usage will be, um, but I don't think that he has that that sort of top three, top five ceiling. I think his mm-hmm. ceiling is more like top ten, which is fine. I mean, you know, can't complain about that, but. I think that somebody who reaches for Jared Cook on draft day is probably, you know, going to live to re- regret that. Well, where would you draft him in your All Rams League? Well, all Rams League, I think he goes, you know, right after uh, Chris Gibbons in the yeah. uh, second. Maybe Tavon. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to talk to uh, Nick Mencio about uh, about that since he's the commissioner of the All Rams League. He- that's right. <laughs> I was just curious because I, I had to throw in the All Rams. Right. Well, listen. Look, there are two things that we're legally obligated to mention on every podcast, which is our All Rams League and fantasy advice for fantasy football players from 2007. So that's, <laughs> that's true. It's completely true. We'll, we'll have oh that. Oh my later. god! <laughs> and I think that we might have to start the uh, the beard cradle. <laughs> right. Yeah, the beard cradle. Yes. Yes. That's definitely what we're gonna call. Yeah. That's gonna be part of the title of this podcast for sure. <laughs> yeah, beard cradle. <laughs> beard and, and, and the, the the action of beard cradling. <laughs> don't Google beard cradling, everyone. No, and, and definitely, definitely don't not. Google image it. I just did it. It's disgusting. I don't even know what I'm looking at. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so man. anyway, getting getting back to those um, that per route production. Uh, Jordan Cameron actually is uh, is a much um, more hopeful case uh, with that with that sort of metric um, because Norv Turner, the offensive coordinator for the Browns, you may know him as Norval, uh, uh, has has always used his tight ends 
uh, to great effect, uh, including Antonio Gates, who you now hate, but one you once loved. Um, Gates uh, ran a, kind of an absurd amount of pass routes during his time in San Diego. Uh, it, it, it varied from year to year, but overall, he he ran about thirty six routes per game over North Turner's time as head coach there. That that's that's a lot of that's, route running. Yeah, that's insane. You know, that's a lot of opportunity. So if Jordan Cameron uh, can run, you know, thirty to thirty five routes a game and produce just at the level of Antonio Gates last year, which is not not anything to write home about. It's something to cry in the shower about alone, drunk. But um, it's uh, the um, if Cameron can do that, um, then he would uh, he would reach borderline uh, top twelve tight end status. So uh, if he can produce more than Gates that did last year, which is no huge feat, then we're talking a top ten top ten guy. I, I really believe that. Yeah. So that, I'm I'm gonna kind of piggyback off that. Jordan Cameron is the guy that I'm targeting in almost every fantasy draft, and here's why. Some, someone, someone asked us on Twitter, um, and it, it's a very, very, very valid question. I'll add another very in there. I feel like I'm in like a sec- in second grade. Remember whenever you used to write things and you would just say very, 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 very? Yes, exactly. But, yeah. So the, uh, the, the thing that I love about Jordan Cameron um, – oh, sorry, let me go back. Someone on Twitter asked us that – or asked us – how we judge our tight end stream from, say, weeks one to three when we don't have the data on how defense is played against tight ends. And that's, a, that's an extremely valid question because defense has changed so much from one year to the next. The reason I love Jared Cook, or Jared Cook, Jordan Cameron, is because if you look at his upside, it's clearly there, as you just mentioned. But the other interesting thing, and, and this, this came to, to light for me when I listened to the Two Mugs pod with, uh, they just had Evan Silva on last, the, the other day. Yeah, good show. Um, yeah, it's a great show. Go listen to it, guys. Um, but the, the reason why I love Jared Cook, or I said it again. I said Jared Cook again. Yes, you did. Oh my gosh. I said it again. That's good. I can't get him off my mind because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see him in, in, my, in my backyard in October. <laughs> I can't. I can't stop thinking about that day. Anyway, Jordan Cameron. The reason this is taking like thirty-five minutes to say. The reason I like him is because there's that ambiguity at the beginning of of the year with who to start because you don't know yeah. which defenses are going to be bad, whatnot. But but uh, Josh Gordon's going to be out, mm-hmm. and there is no other target uh, in Cleveland that that is going to be consistent enough for Brandon Whedon to throw the ball to. Yep. So I think that. I think that not only does Jordan Cameron have unbelievable upside given the, the offense that's, that's going to be run there and given uh, the schemes that they have and his, his athletic ability, but at the same time, I think that he's going to be a guy that you can just plug into your lineup in those first couple weeks of the season, and he can produce pretty good numbers. Yeah, no, I, I think um, to answer that question from Twitter saying, you know, how do you identify favorable tight end matchups in the first week or two of the season? Um, I would say, uh, one, it's really important to um, to target defenses that might have injuries coming into the season. So, you know, if if uh, if a safety is hurt or if a linebacker is hurt, and the coverage on a tight end might be a little spotty, that might be a way to identify it. Um, I did that um, last year. Uh, I think the tight uh, the Titans were shredded by tight ends early last year, and um, 
they they had some uh, some nicks and cuts and bruises in their secondary. So that that's that's how you kind of identified uh, defenses in that spot. But also um, you're looking for guys with uh, who are going to have a lot of opportunity, and, and Jordan Cameron really fits that bill. Unless you know, unless something drastic happens, he's he's going to get targets. It's it, it's just it's not a question. Yeah, I, I agree. Are there any other guys that you're uh, pinpointing other than other than Cameron? I know both of us really love Cameron. Yeah. Uh, are there any other guys that you're trying to pair him with? Yes, uh, I I mean Cameron is going uh, still really late, and I I don't see him having an ADP spike. Uh, he's going at the end of the twelfth round, which is just crazy, isn't it? It's it's I I said this back in like uh, like February, but he his his ADP trend is is very 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 similar to Kyle Rudolph yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost identical. It's the same kind of situation. Uh, you know, he he could be he's athletic. He could be the focal point of of the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 really the way I I actually expected Cameron's ADP to jump a little bit more than it has, but I think a part of that is because. Uh, the position's a little bit better this year. Yeah, um, you know, I, I would say, uh, you know, you pair him with a Hausler. I mean, Rob Hausler is a guy who, uh, according to every Cardinals beat writer out there, has lined up all across the formation in Bruce Arians' offense. There, uh, he's not he's not going to be, you know, an inline tight end who just sits there and blocks all day. He's going to be used. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're you know they're splitting him out wide and using him mm-hmm. like a wide receiver. Arians has said you know coming out of college, he he saw Hausler as more of a wide receiver than a tight end. Um, Arians' offenses are typically not friendly to tight ends, right? But I mean, you're getting Hausler for free, so what the heck? I mean, just right? And pick- and you could also you could also argue that Arians hasn't necessarily had. Uh, that type of tight end because Heath Miller is definitely not that kind of tight end, and uh, you know uh, you could maybe make the case for Kobe Fleener, but he was a rookie last year. Yes, yeah, I I, I think that, and, and also um, uh, Hausler, from from what I understand, is not um, a, a, a great blocker, so right. he's not going to be asked to do that. And, and that's something just real quick, just to address that Martellus Bennett question we got on Twitter today. Tonight. Yeah. Um, uh, that's the only thing. Uh, his uh, excellence in blocking is the only thing that will keep him out of the top ten tight ends this year, uh, in my opinion. Um, Mark Tressman's offense can support and has supported three viable fantasy pass catchers uh, in the past. And you know, I'm not. If there was an offense uh, ever that needed that sort of. Uh, uh, influx of, of receptions from other people. It's the Bears because last year it was Brandon Marshall and Brandon Marshall only. So right. um, I think that this year it's going to be uh, Forte, Marshall, and uh, Bennett. It, it, not in that order, uh, obviously, but um, I think I think Bennett could could be a guy who gets a lot of action in a really pass heavy uh, attack. Yeah, and we have to remember too. There's going to be there, there's going to be shorter passes, quicker passes, uh, which will, you know, hopefully help their their god awful offensive line. And and Bennett should get you know those quick releases, uh, which which will help him in the middle of the field too. So I, I do love Bennett this year. Um, you know, I do love Jordan Cameron. The other guy that I have on my list is Heath Miller, and the reason uh, is because his his health, it, everything is going very well, and. 
And if he does end up being or end up being healthy to start the season, uh, Ryan Broyles esque potentially as well. Mm-hmm. But if if Heath Miller ends up being healthy at the beginning of the season, you're getting a, a an almost easy top ten tight end after the way that Todd Haley used him last year in his first year. Sure, sure. I mean, I would I would take him if I knew that he was going to start the season, um, even if he wasn't you know a hundred percent. I would still I would still take a fire on him, sure. Yeah, and I mean I'm I'm also assuming the ADP doesn't shift a lot, and, I'm, and we should realize that. You know, if if he does say, "Hey, I'm going to be 100% healthy," uh, you know, if, if that happens, his ADP is going to rise. I, I will say, um, Brandon Myers going at the beginning of the 11th round, being the 12th tight end coming off the board. Yeah, I I, I won't be taking him in any leagues at that ADP. Uh, he was a product like Carson Palmer of not being on a real NFL team last year. I mean, yeah. he was um he's a replacement level tight end who was peppered with short um short passes from his aging quarterback last year. Um I said aging, not Asian as a, as it might sound. <laughs> um and um and and he benefited from it. And and that's great. If you took advantage of that, that's great. But I don't think that I God, please do not draft Brandon Myers as an every week starter. Just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key. Like, I I don't necessarily mind Myers, but I mind him if you're plugging and playing. And I think that he's he's on the the edge. Some teams are thinking that way, uh, but I don't think that he's he's necessarily uh, that that in, in that kind of situation. I do know you know the 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 Giants historically have used their tight ends. You see Ballard and Bennett had a couple good weeks last year, uh, but. I'm not. I'm not insanely high on Myers like some are. Something that some think that he's an easy top ten tight end this year. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that. Uh, also, Gates in the middle of the ninth. It's just, just don't. Just pretend he's not yeah. even there. Yeah, man. That whole. I'm. I'm just kind of staying away from the uh, Chargers offense. Other than Vincent Brown, I do like Vincent Brown. Well, I, I have to say, uh, just on a Chargers note, I have. Ended up with Denario Alexander in approximately That's every true. single. Forgot about the. That. You're right. I don't. I shouldn't have made that comment because I don't even agree with it anymore. <laughs> that's, that's probably a bad idea. Come on, beard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know the another question we got from from Coach A Robinson on Twitter. He asked us if we thought that Dustin Keller would be a top twelve option this year. I, you Do know, you have any thoughts? I, it's really hard to gauge how much he'll be used as a, um, you know, I, pretty much, you know, I've been looking at, at, at route data. It's really hard to tell if he's going to run enough pass routes in a game to be a viable guy. I, I don't, I don't think he'll be, I, I don't even see his ADP here. Uh, yeah. I don't, I mean, he, I don't so, think he's, dra- I don't think he's always drafted. Yeah. So look at, Keep an eye on it. I mean, if there are camp reports about, you know, he's going to be our centerpiece of our pass attack, he's going to do this, he's going to line up in the slot, do that, then then keep an eye on him. Take a late-round flyer. you probably get him on the waiver wire. I can right. definitely see Keller, definitely, as a as a big-time streaming option, you know, in the in the early to, to mid-season. Yeah. I, I actually, I was talking to, to our buddy Fantasy Douche yesterday, because he brought up the point that Miami just has zero red zone weapons. Uh, like, 
I mean, Mike Wallace is not good in the red zone. Mm. Uh, Brian Hartline clearly is not either. And and you have Dustin Keller, who historically has not been either. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Frank, uh, he ended up concluding this might be just a team that is a field goal team. And that's it's when you think about it, you're like, wow, crap, that that could be bad. Mm-hmm. But but I think at the same time, that's something to keep an eye on, an eye out on is is if Dustin Keller becomes uh, Tannehill's go to in the red zone. You know, tight end, like I said, they have lower ceilings. If you get a touchdown, you're good. Mm-hmm. And so if Dustin Keller becomes this red zone target, I, I think he could have fantasy value. He's not someone that I'm going to target necessarily in drafts, but he's definitely a guy that I'm keeping an eye out on. Uh, once the season starts. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And and you know, people for well, I forgot that he was pretty close to an elite fantasy tight end. Oh yeah, yeah. During his 2009-2010 heyday, right? You know, he he was he was a guy you started every week. Yep. So the last question that we'll answer real quick is from our buddy the Gator, fantasy football Gator on Twitter, FF Gator, uh, and he asked us if. If streaming tight ends is the easiest or hardest or whatnot between tight ends kick or t- kickers, tight ends defenses and quarterbacks, um, and my my quick answer from the predictability analysis that I've done is that they are probably the most difficult of the three, but that doesn't mean that it's the worst idea of the three. Uh, and I say that because of how many points they score, the variance between tight ends and whatnot, but they are very difficult to predict just because uh, there are more variables uh, associated with them than say a quarterback who, like I always say, have all the opportunity in the world. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, defenses, if you're talking about streaming, the onesie positions, defenses are the easiest. I mean, when I do my, my uh, dreaming of streaming column uh, where I, I find a, a stream, streaming tight or streaming uh, defenses every week, uh, I have a tough time some weeks, um, you know, highlighting one or two defenses that I like above others because there are sometimes four or five defenses right. that have just irresistible matchups. Uh, exactly. Uh, so the defenses are easy. Quarterbacks, yeah, I, w- I would say are second easiest in the streaming onesie situation, and and tight ends are are more difficult. Which is I which I think if if you have it makes it important that if you have a deep bench, what I mean by that is, uh, if you have a uh, if you're in a league where you have six or seven bench spots, I think it's important to draft two tight ends, two very late round tight ends in that situation. Now it's different if you're in one of these leagues where it's like you know you have like three or four bench spots. I played in those. You can't yeah. really do that. The right. bench spots are too much of a premium. Um, uh, but but. Uh, you can still play the waiver wire um, successfully because everybody's in that position when you only have a, a limited number of bench spots. Um, I totally forgot where I was going with this. Oh yes, the um, uh, but yes, I agree with you, and I think that the numbers bear it out. If I remember from your book and from Jonathan Bales Bales book Bales's book, um, that tight ends are um, would be the the hardest to predict on a on a week to week basis. Right. And and like I said, that doesn't mean that they're the worst position to try to stream because they're not. It's just that it's difficult to predict. It doesn't mean, you know, it's there's just not it, it, let's just pretend they the the best tight end scores 2 points per week and all the other ones score 1 and you're streaming because you're hoping that your tight end gets 2. 
and and clearly you're going to stream because the the position isn't very valuable. That's mm-hmm. that's obviously a very uh, exaggerated way of of explaining it, but that's kind of the way that it works. I will say that um, paying attention to press reports. Um, is probably more critical in streaming tight ends than it is any other position because it just as an example, I remember last year after Alex Smith went down and Colin Kaepernick came in to face the Bears on Monday Night Football. Um, Brian Erlacher, I believe, was had a had a comment uh, early in the week saying, for, "For you know, for lack of a better term, we don't we don't worry about tight ends." Like, right. like we don't, we don't care. We don't study tight ends. We don't, we don't have a game plan for how to cover tight ends. We don't worry about them. So when Vernon Davis goes off. Obviously, you know Vernon Davis becomes uh, a gem in that situation, and and he and he went bananas that night. Yeah, I think that's all the questions. I think we got through most of them. A lot of people were talking about Jimmy Graham. We talked about that. Um, so yeah, I think it's time, Denny. I think it's time that we rant. Oh, good. All right. Do you want to go first or sure. second tonight? I'll go first. Okay, that'll be fun. I'll cue the music. <laughs> I think, excuse me while I eat my barbecue sunflower seeds, but um, I think people in the fantasy community are spending far, far too much time on talking about the first round of, of, the, of your draft. It's, it is unbelievable. It's 95% of the discussion that I see on Twitter is about should I take Jamal Charles or CJ Spiller? Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped up. I got, you know, I got Ray Rice at the end of the first run. Listen, I know, I know that those are the, those are the sexy guys. And I know that those are the anchors of your team on a week to week basis. And so I, I totally understand the appeal and sort of that importance to you. And, but like we talked about before with, with the equity part of fantasy. If you draft C.J. Spiller with the seventh pick, say, in the first round, he might outperform his ADP by two spots. Might. Right. Uh, best case scenario, he outperforms it by four spots, maybe five. That's not, you're not getting this enormous deal uh, by, by getting him there. It's not, you haven't, you haven't, you know, you haven't robbed Fort Knox by by drafting him there, and and I'm not I'm really I'm I understand the appeal again, but I think that people need to shift shift their focus, and I have I, I I have had this problem too, shift their focus from the first round down to the fourth and the fifth and the seventh round. Um, those those are the rounds in which you absolutely crush your uh, you know nemeses in your fantasy leagues. Okay. Those are the rounds in which you get the running back or the wide receiver um, who just plummets uh, for for whatever reason, and you snag them, and they end up being a, you know the part of the bedrock of your fantasy team. Uh, so, I guess I would just end by saying, shift that ninety five percent talk you know talking about the first round. Make ninety five percent of your discussion about rounds you know five through eight, and I think that everybody would be much better off. I like it. I compl- I agree completely. I I actually intro uh, one of the chapters in my book talking about that. You know, the people's rankings don't differ nearly enough at that point in the draft for it to matter. It it really it really does come down to that that I think is where luck is involved is the first round of your draft. It's not it's not necessarily getting this diamond in the rough because someone who drafted Randall Cobb last year 
at the end of their draft did their homework. Oh, yeah. But someone someone who drafted, I don't want to say Adrian Peterson because they did take a chance, but, you know, I, I do think there, there's such uh, little room for, for really skill to be involved in the first round of your draft that it's just, it's way, way over-talked about. Yep, yep. I mean, you can see in these mock drafts that we do, um, you can see skill, the skill of a of a drafter come out, really show itself in the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth rounds. That that's right. where you say, man, no, that that you know, that 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 person can play. That person knows what what he's doing. Yeah. All right. Well, I uh, I I'm gonna rant. This we might have talked about this. We definitely have talked about it a couple times with our our three team leagues, but. I'm going to rant about small leagues here for a second because I brought it up on Twitter today and I was talking about how every position in 2013 is deeper than it was in 2012 and how in 10 team leagues or less, you're now, you know, if, if given standard roster sizes, you're now in a more luck driven environment than say in a 14 or maybe even 16 team league. And, and that seems so obvious to you and me, right? But but I couldn't believe it, but there were like three or four people that started arguing with me saying that luck is consistent from one league to the next because it's all relative to the league. Now, let me tell you why it's not true, why that's not true at all. In an eight-team league, for instance, you're still starting the same number of guys, but you only have eight teams. Your, your rosters are going to be better. Your wide receiver three is easily someone's wide receiver two or even a wide receiver one in a deeper league. And your weekly decisions now come down to players like Antonio Brown and Victor Cruz instead of maybe some more sporadic plays like a Kenny Britt or a Lance Moore. And so why is that luck driven, you might ask? Well, you know how Antonio Brown and Victor Cruz are going to be used. You know, it's kind of obvious that they're going to get a relatively high number of targets. Therefore, choosing one is going to be, in in a sense, in a way, kind of touchdown based. It's not going to be incredibly... You know, it, it, it's it's not that difficult to choose either Victor Cruz or Antonio Brown. You're choosing between, you know, some of the best bubblegum flavors in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that's my analogy, but it is. <laughs> and and you know, if I'm if I'm going with Kenny Britt or Lance Moore, I'm looking more into the individual matchup for the two and seeing how they're being used, uh, how how they've been used up until that point in the season, and maybe if there's something going on with the secondary and the opposing team, because I don't know what their usage is going to be like. Lance Moore isn't the top target in New Orleans. Kenny Britt has other guys that are trying to steal the ball in Tennessee. Mm. So it's it's a lot more difficult to try to, to manage that. And and so, you know, all I have to say is that, of course, luck plays a factor in both of those leagues because fantasy football is not controlled by us. It's controlled by the way that players play. And, and, and so, of course, there's luck involved. But but your goal should try to, uh, to be to maximize your team's output by your gained fantasy football knowledge. And you don't do that in an 8 or an even a 10-team league, especially in 2013. Unless, of course, you don't have any knowledge, then you should be rooting for those smaller leagues. Uh, yeah, no, I, I will say uh, that 10-team um, uh, leagues, uh, I get questions about trades and keepers from 10-team leagues. I, I don't even know what to say sometimes. There's um, uh, so little difference in in what you're getting you know like like uh, you know my running backs are uh, ray rice arian foster and doug martin you know should i trade one you're like uh, you know is it is the is it fun is that fun for you <laughs> right. is it fun to just 
to just plug in like three world beaters. And, do you and, like do you like playing alone? Right, right. I, I mean, d- does it make you feel like like a like a like a big like a big man? Like, oh man, you know, I have to. Well, there are eight teams, and you're leaving. Three of them are zombie teams. They, <laughs> right. they haven't changed the lineup in eight weeks. I don't know. I just don't. The the appeal, and and no one should argue that uh, luck is the same from league to league to league. That that is ridiculous. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, when you get to that fourteen, sixteen team level, you're talking about um, the the you know cream rising to the top. There, that, that that's not. Um, that's not the case at all. I lost a 10-team league once uh, to a guy who did not have a quarterback in the championship game. Right. I mean, if that's, that, that's that just what happens. Yeah, that's just what happens. It's it's absurd. And I'm fine if you want to. I'm fine if you want to play a standard eight-team league. It's like do whatever you want if that makes you happy and if it's like this nostalgic kind of league. But at this, don't like go around bragging about your roster. Like I don't, I don't, I don't care if you have three stud running backs because you're playing with, mm-hmm. with, with children. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, you have AJ Green and Megatron. Oh, yeah. how, how'd that happen? Yeah, you must you, be a really good drafter. Yeah, you must be playing with people that are inside of their father's beards. <laughs> how dare you speak of my son that way? <laughs> it's just it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, I think that does it for us tonight. All right, man. I think that's it. Do you have uh, any any parting words? I, I'll just say, you know, um, that we'll probably have these a lot more um, of these podcasts a lot more frequently. Um, you know, starting in probably late July or early August, um, since you know stuff starts happening at that point where nothing is happening at this point. Um, so just keep up, keep an eye out, and um, we'll have more streaming goodies uh, for you next week. Uh, I will say again, don't Google streaming goodies. So that's all I. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to uh, to actually do what this podcast is meant to do, and that's give recommendations, streaming recommendations, just like the intro says. Yeah, I can't wait. Streaming recommend the, the fact that the word recommendations is in that intro twice still makes me very happy. <laughs> it's incredible. It, it is. It's incredible. Where can they find you at, Denny? Mm, uh, Twitter at CD Carter thirteen. Um, I write for sportsjerks.net. I write for the fake football and I write for four for four.com. I actually have a quarterback by waiver wire um, article on four for four for today. Uh, if you guys would like to um, be degenerates and check it out. Very nice. Obviously I can be found at late round QB and late round QB.com. And I actually just got the 2013 Roto world draft guide in the mail because that'll be hitting store shelves. I got an article in there. Uh, so get excited about that, um, and also also buy both of our books because Denny needs to feed his, his child. Yes, yes, I do have a book. It's it's called uh, I can't believe I forgot to mention that uh, How to Think Like a Fantasy Football Winner. Uh, it's available on Amazon, iTunes, and Barnes and Noble, and uh, it's a quick read, you know, and it'll uh, help you not go insane this year, you know, in a, mentally uh, when you're watching football. I thought just now you were going to say, yes, yes, I do have a child, and (laughs) very nice. All right, man, let's go get some milkshakes. All right, sweet. All right, take it easy, guys. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the Internet Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football and
Check out me.